listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the OBHAVE show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today has childhood memories of picking up tiger poop. He has tangled with a two-ton shark, and he's even trained insects for movies. But I think his greatest accomplishment is he saves dogs who are often just days from being put down in animal shelters. He transforms them into lovable, well-behaved family pets, service dogs for people with disabilities, and that even includes some wounded military veterans. And, oh, sigh, this is radio. So listeners, just take my word for it. Our guest today would be my vote for the next People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. And he's doggone cute inside and out. So I want everybody to give a big pause and applause to the host and animal trainer of the Emmy-winning Lucky Dog Show. It airs Saturday mornings on CBS. We're talking about the remarkable Brandon McMillan. Hey, welcome back on the show, Brandon. Thanks for having me again. That was the world's longest intro. It is. I'm, I'm trying to go for the longest one, but there's too much to say about you in too little time. But, you know, you've been a real busy dude since last time we've had you on our show, and I, I really look forward to hearing the latest Brandon McMillan adventures. But we got to pay for the show. So just like he would say, sit and stay. Be good, good. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is truly dog's best friend, especially those inside animal shelters looking for a second chance to shine. 
Brandon McMillan is the host and animal trainer for the Emmy-winning Lucky Dog Show. It airs Saturday mornings on CBS. It's in its third season. And as we said, there's a lot to talk about you, Brandon, but I really got to confirm this. I read in doing some of my homework on you, when you were just a little grade school guy, when other kids were bringing in stuffed animals for show and tell, did you really bring in a baby tiger to class? I brought in several. I mean, that was uh, my, <laughs> my parents. My parents were wild animal trainers, so all the kids were bringing in uh, the latest toy or transformers or you know whatever character was popular at the time. And I'd have to uh, bring in the only thing that I knew was uh, either like baby tiger or possibly some python or something like that. So yeah, I mean, I was an animal educator from a very young age because that was what my parents did, and so they passed it down to me. And of course, I grew up doing it, uh, and I continue doing it now. I didn't think you know, I would be doing it at this age when I was a little kid. I was like, oh, right. I'm going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be something else. <laughs> yeah, but I can just see you bringing in a, you know, a boa constrictor or a tiger. You never did get bullied in school, I bet. Who's going to bully with the guy that brings in a tiger? Uh, believe it or not, I got bullied all the time because I was a new kid on the block every few months. We moved around a lot. Oh. We traveled. Yeah, we traveled. And so I was living all over the U.S., all over the world. And so uh, when there's a new kid on the block every few months, you're going to get bullied here and there. They thought twice about it whenever they found out what my father did. They're like, all right, let's do the math here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, some of the things, we're going to get to the celebrity stuff too. But you know what? I salute you for being a co-founder of the Argus Service Training Program. Talk about that and specifically about the soldier named Tyler and the Dobie named Apollo, and the unique way you trained this dog to be a service dog for him. Yeah, um, the Argus Service Dog Foundation was started by myself and a part of Mike Hersick. And basically, the, the story behind it is very simple. Um, this is uh, years ago now. I was called by a buddy of mine. He's a uh, military, and he said, can you train service dogs? And I said, I mean, I can. I said, it's pretty easy because I trained dogs for the for movies and commercials for so long, and I you train them to do high-level tricks. I did a lot of commercials where I teach the dog to open the fridge and grab a beer and run to the guy on the couch. And I'm like... That's pretty easy to do. I can train this, you know, for a more practical process for people that really need it. And so he said, um, there's a gentleman he met, his name's Tyler Jeffries, and he was hit by an IED in Afghanistan, an improvised explosive device, and he lost both legs in the blast. So now he's relearning to walk on prosthetics, and he can't even lean over to pick anything up. He needs a lot of help with balance because when you're walking on prosthetics, you're basically walking on robotic legs. You need a lot of help with bracing and support. You need a constant cane next to you. So right. that's what I did for him. I trained this Doberman that basically became what I call, I call my dogs when I train them for service, I call them the intelligent cane because you're talking about an animal with high level intelligence that technically is used as a cane and it'll pick things up for you. It'll pull wheelchairs. So basically this dog, every time he drops anything, the dog was there to pick things up for him. He used his cane, a cane or a brace or support up and down steps. Right. And I didn't realize as I was training it the impact it would have until I delivered the dog. I went to Walter Reed Medical Center just outside of D.C. And I was only planning on staying there for a couple of days, giving him the dog, shake his hand and say, thank you for your service. I extended my trip you know, a few days more. Next thing you know, I was there for a long period of time and I actually not only gave him the dog, but I studied all the guys that come back, all the men and women that come back from war when they step on these IDs. And I literally sat there in Walter Reed Medical Center for weeks and I studied how they, what they need, what service would they need with a dog. And it literally changed my entire thinking of dog training. And that's when I came back to Los Angeles. I cried. 
Right. I, mean, I literally cried for a week. And I started the foundation literally like a week later. It took wow. months to get the uh, the paperwork and everything to go through. But that was the uh, that was the roots of it. And well, you know, you were, when you talked about this Doberman, because a lot of people think of Goldens and Labs, but you had a Doby named Apollo. And then I understand you really were trying to understand what people with prosthetics have to do. And you need to train a dog. So you put rocks in your shoe? The best way to ever train any animal, I mean, they say, you know, with the phrase, you don't really understand somebody until you walk a mile in their shoes. I think it goes right. something like that. Yeah. And so the best way to train a service dog, especially physical assist dog, is you want to replicate, you want to mimic exactly what they're going through. Now, of course, I have legs, I have fast reflexes, and I've been training dogs for so long that whenever I do a technique, I rely on my foot movement to correct the dog and, and make it the quick movements quickly to adjust to train the dog. But when I put rocks in my shoes, I put these sharp rocks in my shoes when I was training these dogs. And what this would do is I could not rely on my reflexes, my quick foot movement, because when I'd step on the rock, it would hurt. And so I would literally become, as much as I could, like a disabled person as I'm walking these dogs. And I would walk like this for months, training these dogs. Wow. People would see me walking down the street, and I, they didn't realize. They would think that I'm really disabled, but they didn't realize that I had sharp rocks in my shoes. And I would train every single dog this way because as long as I can mimic and replicate what the handlers uh, you know, will be like with the dog, I'm doing a service. I'm doing a justice for the dog. Right. So in other words, I didn't want to rely on my reflexes. To, if I was about to fall, I'm going to fall, and I'm going to use the dog to stop myself. And the dog knows how to stiffen up, brace his body, and I go right over the shoulders, and I put the pressure on his back. And when you're talking about a 120-pound dopamine, yeah. they can hold a lot of pressure. Yes. That is a working dog. It's one of the original one of the original working dogs. Well, that's a brilliant strategy, and it has so much common sense. And you have a lot of common sense, Brandon. And talk a little bit about the show Lucky Dog, because I love it. I saw it. I taped the one from Saturday, and you were doing kind of like a little mini profile of five different dogs that needed certain things tweaked to make them a better match in a home. But how did you go from a son of circus people to Lucky Dog? Well, I trained dogs for film and television for about 15 years. I trained all animals for film and television for about that long. But dogs are always your bread and butter because just about every commercial, every movie has a dog in it. So, uh, you know, I had more experience with dogs than every other animal just because I trained a tiger. Not every commercial or or (laughs) movie has a tiger in it. You know, I just had that background. So I started reading these statistics of how many dogs are put down every year in America alone because they can't find homes. And the numbers were staggering. They were about 2 million. And when you think about that number, you know, in a, in a place like America, you go, how is this happening in our country? And so I started doing more research. And I'm like, what is it going to take to end this, this epidemic? But I'm only one person. I said, okay, I can make a difference. And so I started going into the shelters, pulling dogs and training them to do incredible things for people. I would make sure that uh, the training is tailor-made for the individual. And I was pulling dogs out of the shelter and turning them into movie stars and service dogs and therapy dogs, uh, PTSD. When a few years after doing this, Litton Entertainment, who's the production company that produces Lucky Dog, they heard about this and they said, we think alike. They said, we want to watch you work. We want to see what you do. So they came out and they watched me work for a few weeks. They watched the entire process. 
They watched me go into the shelter. They watched me pull a dog that basically was going to get euthanized that day. Sometimes they have hours before uh, that's it. Their life is over. So I pull the dog and I evaluate. I assess them, see what they know. More importantly, what they don't know. And then I find a potential family. And then I train the dog tailor-made to the family. And then in the end, of course, there's always a happy ending. But when they saw this, they said, this is what we want to see on television. And next thing you know... There's a show called Lucky Dog on CBS. Well, I think you're a lucky Brandon, too. We're speaking with Brandon McMillan. He is the host of Lucky Dog, and we're going to talk to him more. He's going to give us a few uh, training tips because many of you probably have just adopted a puppy, and I call that first year of your dog's life the wonder year because you wonder where your sanity went. He will help us with that and more after we take this quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Want to know who the latest trendsetters are in Hollywood? How about Irish setters? Find out who's been spotted with Spot, chowing with their chow, and shopping for Gucci with their Poochie. Get, get the scoop on all the latest celebrity pet patter right here. Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is John Provost. You might remember me as Timmy from the Lassie series. Well, you know, every time Lassie comes home, she always has me turn on Pet Life Radio so she can listen to Arden Moore on that show, you know, Old Behave. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Old Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the OBH Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We have Brandon McMillan in the house, and he is the star of Lucky Dog, the show that airs Saturday mornings on CBS. And you guys got some pretty good uh, following, aren't you? Number two among all the time slaughter weekend. There's some kind of bragging thing your marketing people said. But the bottom line is they renewed him for a third season. He's doing great work, and you're helping dogs one dog at a time. I like that. I mean, it's a very personal touch, but the techniques you give on the show, others can use. So let's go with a a few things that you think are of mega importance for the folks out there who have adopted a dog. And a dog is just like counter surfing or jumping up. They're all full of energy. How do you help them rechannel so that the dog is happy and the person is happy? Well, I mean, first things first, it really, it's every dog is uh, is different than like a thumbprint. So it's impossible to give generalized advice, especially, you know, over the phone or over the radio for every dog out there. But what I will say is this. Most dog people with a, I guess, a problem dog or, you know, behavior problem dog, if you will, they're a lot of like, they generally don't call the trainer until the problem is so bad where now the trainer, they have a, <laughs> a big problem to deal with. And, right. and we all know that we all know this is true for most people. 
I always say, if you hear like a, some, some knocks or, or some noises in your car that shouldn't be there, well, if you take it into the mechanic, you know, a day or two later, most likely it's going to be a few hundred dollars to fix it. But if you let it simmer for six months, a year, and then you take it in when you don't have a choice because the car broke down on the side of the highway, well, now your $300 fix turns into probably a $2,000 fix. Right. It's the same theory with dog training. If you let these small problems turn into big problems, now it becomes very difficult to fix. So when you see a small problem with a dog, fix it right away. Call the trainer right away because small problems manifest into big problems very rapidly. You know, that's great advice because, you know, people, you can't put your head in the sand. The problem's not going to go away. Exactly. Most people, they turn, they just turn a blind eye to the problems because they're like, oh, I can deal with it. I can deal with it. Next thing you know, a nine month later, I can't deal with this anymore. Call the trainer. And I'm telling you right now, I get called 99% of the time when the problem is so bad and I tell the people, listen, this is not a quick fix. Because I can usually, if the problem is really simple, I can usually fix that problem in an hour or two. I mean, mm-hmm. I've done this with thousands of dogs over the years because I can quickly get in there quickly fix the problem, and that's it. I walk out and the problem fixes definitely, assuming they maintain it. But most people, they call me up when the problem is so bad, and I'm like, okay, you should have called me a year ago. Right. You know, because now it's a project. Well, habits form, you know, and the dog gets unintentionally reinforced by people yelling at the dog or whatever, and then the dog thinks, well, that's fine. I got carte blanche now, right? Exactly. And, and <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to say it too, but there's so much bad information on the internet now that a lot of people are getting the bad advice. And, you know, it, it, that, that tends to be a big problem too. Well, and sometimes you have the added pressure because you've trained some dogs belonging to celebrities. And I saw your little segment on the Ellen DeGeneres show. So Ellen's fine. You know, let's talk about Ellen and Portia and their dogs, because obviously they're both very, very big dog supporters, but their dogs aren't perfect. Well, nobody's dog is perfect. No. I mean, my dog is not perfect by any such <laughs> imagination. <you know? laughs> yeah, I mean, they're... Their dogs are just like uh, just like most of our dogs. They have the uh, the little issues that basically you get in there and you solve them. The good thing about Ellen and Portia is they're very involved in their dogs. So whenever I was working with their dogs, they were actively they were saying, "How do we maintain this?" And this is the best thing about clients like them is they want to be involved. They're very actively involved in the maintenance process. I always say training it's a two step process. It's training and maintaining. Once the dog is trained, you have to maintain it. It's almost like a diet. Right. So when you lose the weight, when you exercise the weight will stay off as long as you maintain it. If you just do that diet for a few months, take the weight off, and never go back to that diet again, stop exercising, stop eating right, what happens? Yep. So you have to maintain the training. That's one of the most important things. And it's one of the most underrated uh, aspects of dog training. A lot of people don't understand that theory. They think once the dog knows it, they'll know it indefinitely. And I always say it will as long as you use it. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's like a language. I think you're right. I mean, as I told you at the beginning, I moved in with my sister and I have two dogs and she has three dogs and I have a cat. And her dogs are, I'm surprised I still have hush puppies in my office right now, but I think they're in awe of you, Brandon. I really do. They're like, man, he's on the air. Look, at, look, sit, stay. Good. So they're being very good right now. But I'm very consistent with what I want. I use a lot of hand signals when they're barking up a storm. And I could just see it in their eyes. They're craving to learn. There's a lot of little students inside our four-legged pals, aren't there? 
Exactly. And like I say, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so you can't just teach a dog something when they're six months old and never go back to it. Once the dog knows to sit, it'll know it as long as you make it sit every single day consistently. Right. And so, and that's generally why dogs become, you know, untrained. They technically never lose it, but they're not good at it anymore. Dog training is a lot like martial arts. You can't take a weekend karate course and learn, you know, a kick and say, oh, I'm really good at this kick now. I can use it practically if I ever need it to. You only learned it for a weekend. Now, if you learn that kick over the weekend and consistently practice it over months and months and potentially years, well, what's going to happen? You're going to be a black belt in that martial art. That's what dog training is. Dog training is it's just muscle memory. It's muscle memory for a dog. And so I always say I, my goal is to turn dogs into black belts in obedience. Most of my dogs, I teach them seven commands. And the reason... Okay. I teach him, I call it the seven common commands. And the reason why I teach him these seven commands is because I want to make the training not only simple for them, but I don't want to teach them a bunch of commands that they're never going to use again. These seven commands that I've pretty much narrowed down, it's sit, stay, down, come, off, heel, and no. These are commands that generally most of us use on a daily basis over and over again. And I, I get rid of commands that are very similar, very alike, like stay and wait. Stay and wait are kind of the same command. They're basically the same command. Now, if you are a high-level professional, you know, trainer, there is a difference. There is a use for stay and wait, just like know and leave it. Mm -hmm. But for the average person, I want them to less is more. I don't want the average person that I'm working with, I don't want to fill them with too much information because the average dog owner, it's very difficult for them, especially if they've never had a dog. I want to make it very simple for them, so I don't want to give them too many commands. So like go through the, the go through the yeah go through the seven again because they're the magical seven. Go ahead. I basically narrowed it down to sit, stay, down, come, off, heel, and no, and, that, and that's it. Those are my seven. I mean, there's a lot of trainers out there that might have more, but that, that's my system. And I find that those seven commands, I call them the seven common commands because we commonly say them every day. Those seven commands have worked with my clients for years, and the reason why it works is because I've narrowed it down to so few. And the dog basically understands those seven as opposed to teaching the dog 20 commands. Right. That maybe 15 of those commands you're not going to use on a daily basis, you know. So what's the point? So that's why I say teach your dog the most practical commands, what you're going to use on a daily basis. Bruce Lee said it. I don't want to misquote him, but uh, one of my favorite <laughs> quotes here. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes he ever said, without word for word, he said, I don't fear the man who learned, uh, I think, 10,000 kicks but I fear the man who learned one kick and practiced it 10,000 times. Right. You know? So basically, he believed that you were more lethal if you knew one thing, but you practiced so much as opposed to doing 10,000 things one time. You don't know that. You don't know those kicks. And it was a brilliant... I was, you may want to just Google the way he said it. But right, we <laughs> bottom, will. But it bottom, makes sense, bottom yeah. Line, bottom line, that was basic conditioning. It was basic muscle memory. He believed in the theory of less is more. And that's what he, he's pretty much designed his whole style over. And I took a lot of martial arts as a kid. And that's why I'm so, I'm such a fan of the martial arts style. And I adapted that style into my dog training. So I don't teach my dog a ton of things. I teach him very few things that are so practical. And those very few things you do more than opposed to teaching them 50 things that you're not going to be able to condition them on. And what about it when it comes to training cats? Have you trained cats for TV and movies? House cats or or, or tigers. Uh, I've done both. We're going to do that. Meow. The kitty, kitty, kitty. Because I have an orange tabby named Casey. And humbly, I've taught him now he can sit, come, jump on a table, give a high paw. 
and I just taught him to do a figure eight weave in a crowd with dogs and kids because he helps me teach pet first aid and pet behavior to different places. But he's a feline foodie. This is a very food motivated cat. So I'm tapping that. But when we line up all five dogs and Casey for treat time at my house, he has to sit like all the dogs before he gets his treat. So should I not tell him he's a cat? Yeah, yeah, try to convince me as a dog see how that works out. (laughs) But seriously, any (laughs) tips you can give to folks who have cats that, because there are cats that are pretty darn good on TV in front of the camera. Cats are, oh, cats are very trainable. The only differences with dogs and cats are, uh, you know, dogs, they're natural pleasers for for love, where cats, you really got to convince them to do it. (laughs) (laughs) We all know, I mean, the difference between dogs and cats is, I mean, they're both very intelligent animals. But cats, you really gotta, you've got you to convince them to do the command, where dogs, you don't really got to convince them with much. Usually a Scooby snack or a toy. The <laughs> cat is like, wait a minute, I've done the math. I can get a lot more than that. <laughs> is, does that apply with the big cats, the tigers and the lions as well? Technically, yeah. I mean, okay. but, you know, big cats are, they are not domesticated like our house cats. So big cats... Once they see uh, fresh meat, the instinct kicks in and, you know, assuming they don't just come after you and try to take you out because of it, they'll pretty much do anything for that meat. And speaking of putting your life in peril, folks, yeah, he's been on Shark Week. And tell us about that little tangle you had with the two-ton shark. You were in the uh, cage. Which one? Look, look. Which, well, the one where which one? I've, one. Had, I've, had, I've <laughs> had several. <laughs> I'm looking at the clip where you were in, a, in one of those cages and one of the buoys broke. That, I believe you're talking about the clip in uh, New Zealand a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah. I was doing that. Uh, yeah, I was filming Shark Week in New Zealand. And it was a very, you know, it was a relatively calm day. Um, we didn't see many sharks that day. We saw a couple that were pretty small. And next thing you know, out of nowhere, this 18-footer shows up. It's about two tons, give or take. And uh, and he grabs the buoy. There's two buoys holding the cage up. And he grabs one of the buoys. And it's about the size of a beach ball. And to him, I mean, when you see him grab the buoy, there's a video of it online. When he grabs the buoy, it almost looks like he's putting the grape in his mouth. That's how big his jaws oh are gosh. compared to this beach ball of a buoy. And he takes it and shakes it. And um, when you're at the mercy of a shark that large, there's really nothing you can do. It's not like I can give advice to anybody saying, oh, stay <laughs> calm, and this is exactly what you do. Because at that point, you're just praying to God the cage holds up that uh, he doesn't go for the other buoy. And you're hoping the welding of this cage uh, is, it was done uh, from, you know, quality metal. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I'm sure if, if you piddle in your pants, nobody would know because you're in the ocean. So that's one good thing, right? There's a consolation yeah. prize, keep, right? Keeps you warm. Keeps you warm. <laughs> what is the attraction? What is it with Shark Week? And I know you you love water. You love all creatures on land and in the water. But, I mean, that's pretty dangerous, Brandon. Well, I mean, Shark Week is... Uh, it, I, look, I, I love wildlife. I love the ocean. Sharks are actually... Uh, I mean, a lot of people, they would disagree, but sharks are very misunderstood. You know, sharks are just like any other animal out there. They're just, they're prowling their uh, their territory looking for something to eat. And so, right. generally, the sharks attack humans. It's mistaken identity. There's nothing personal. It's just like when a buffalo attacks a human in Africa. Buffaloes are generally one of the, I think, buffaloes and hippos are two of the most dangerous animals in Africa. It is nothing personal. It is it's territory. And right. people will have to remember, when we step into the ocean, we're stepping into their homes. Right. So there are rules. There are rules with wildlife. There are rules in the ocean. There are rules in Africa. There are rules everywhere when it comes to wildlife. 
And whenever these rules are, A, either not followed, or B, you just didn't know. In other words, if a buffalo kills somebody in Africa, generally, the people didn't know the buffalo was there, and the buffalo didn't know the people were there. And all of a sudden, they came face-to-face when they, they turned the corner around the bush, and the buffalo instinctively saying, what are you doing in my territory? I just have to get rid of you. And then, boom, it's nothing personal. Right. I mean, well, this is the basics of wildlife. So well, I think people, um, the dogs are, are barking in agreement, even though none of them have tangled with a shark. I hear a couple of mine in the background. They're like, Brandon's right. Brandon's right. Now, for yeah, this exactly. uh, with Lucky Dog this season, anything uh, you wanted to share about that? What's something we can be looking for, Brandon, this year? Because I know I want folks to go to the animal expert Brandon McMillan site and ArgusServiceDogs.org. Those are two big things that are near and dear to your heart. But talk about the show this season. What's something you're looking forward to and want to share with our listeners? Well, I'm looking forward to them all, but um, a lot of... Uh, <laughs> We have some service dog episodes coming up. We actually have some therapy dogs coming up this season. We have dogs that are for uh, a lot of uh, emotional support animals. One dog I was really excited to train without giving too much away. It was for a young girl with high anxiety. Her anxiety was so bad that she dropped out of school, out of college. Oh, my god! And gosh. I trained her a dog. I'm not going to give too much away. Okay. I trained her a dog to help her so much that she may or may not be back in college now. I can't tell you that part until you watch. We want to watch Lucky Dog on Saturday mornings on CBS for sure, Brandon. This is the thing before you go, I do want to talk about. There's a lot of dogs that are being trained for physical situations, disabilities, and also dogs that are in sports. But this whole field of the intuitive nature of dogs, the cognitive, I know Duke and Yale have studies, and you're getting the guys coming back with PTSD children with autism. It seems like this whole area that you were just talking about is just starting to pop when it comes to revealing some more dimensions to the talents dogs have. Yeah, exactly. We Look, we knew it years ago. A lot of the dog trainers that have been doing this for years, we knew it years ago, but it was hard to convince the average person saying, hey, you know, the dog can actually detect the seizure coming off. The dog can actually detect your emotions so much that they know when your anxiety level is about to rise. They can actually calm you down. And suddenly now the world's starting to see it slowly but surely. And look, I mean, that was the whole theory behind Lucky Dog. I wanted to prove that dogs are not just pets. They serve a purpose in our society. They serve a purpose in our world. And the reason they serve a purpose is because they were designed that way. Dogs were the original technology of their day. They've been around for thousands of years. We've been breeding them for thousands of years for a purpose. And the reason why it's in the last 10, 15 years, it's really shown that the purposes are starting to come back is because they were always there. They never went away. It was just technology came in and and literally changed everything. Whenever you were uh, had anxiety, now you took a drug. Everybody got on these medications, medication. Well, guess what? Dogs were doing it long before medications were. I like puppy Prozac. It's cheap, it's free, and it's cuddly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so dogs have served a purpose in our society for thousands of years, and it's just starting to get popular again. Dogs, they were always bred for a specific purpose. They were the iPhone of its day. And suddenly technology came, and dogs were forgotten. But it was a select few of us. We didn't forget. I'm never going to hang up on Chipper or Cleo. They're my iPhone app for sure. I'm very blessed to have two now 13-year-old dogs, both plucked from shelters, including a two-time shelter reject who now teaches pet first aid with me. So I think I'm a lucky gal, and I think all our listeners are lucky that you're around, Brandon. Can you clone yourself? Because um, there'll be a lot more. uh... (laughs) Have you figured that technology out yet? Uh, I don't know if I'd want two of me. (laughs) 
going to be part- hard enough to deal with. Nah, I think you're all right. Any parting uh, message you'd like to give our listeners before we let you go back to bringing out the best in dogs and other critters? Of course. I mean, as I always say, I invite anybody, you know, to watch Lucky Dog on Saturday morning on CBS. And like I said, the whole theory behind the show is proving that dogs are not just pets. They serve a purpose. They serve a purpose in individuals, and they serve a purpose in our society. They're more than what we just consider a pet. And that is what I'm proving week after week on Lucky Dog. I salute you for that. I thank you very much. We had Brandon McMillan in the house. And you got to say the word good because we got to start that as now the word of 2016 in the intonation <laughs> that you do and why you say it that way. So before we leave, please give us a ABCs of G-O-O-D, the Brandon McMillan way. Well, it's basically positive reinforcement. When the dog is doing something wrong, you quickly correct with a pat or a no. When it's right. doing something right, you really want to let it know what they did right. And so this is from the, the movie training I did for so many years. You had to make your good so distinctive. It wasn't just like, good. I like to really throw it from the lower gut. So it's not just good coming out of my mouth. It's from the bread basket, and you're literally thrusting it out of your lungs. So it's good. Good. That's exactly. And from my standpoint, when I was training these dogs for the movies, I wanted the dog to truly understand what it did like. I didn't want it to say good because it sounds too generic. And I noticed whenever I would thrust that word from my lower gut, now the dog responded twice as quickly. And he wanted to do it uh, even better the next time because he knew when I would throw that good, I would follow it up with a treat. And the dog was suddenly looking for that word. And whenever I said it, he knew, and he was wanting to do it again because he knew that meant he was going to get pet right after and get a couple of treats. The more exciting I can make the training, the better the dog will be trained, the more efficient the training will be. And so, because that's what training is, it, it comes down to efficiency. I want to do very short sessions with the dog, and I want the dog to learn so much in that short little session. And I find that when I throw that positive bullet out, even a couple times, the dog has learned more than just a quick little good. And that's think, where it all came from. I see a whole line of clothing, leash wear, with some little button that has a little audio to it, and it's going to be your voice. There you go. I just made you. You don't even have to go to Shark Tank to make a zillion. I just helped you make a zillion. We're going to have the voice of Brandon McMillan saying the word good the way it should be for dogs on some kind I, of clothing. Uh, How you go? I have people coming up to me when I'm when I'm eating lunch, and and that's all I hear behind me. I'm like, oh no, not again! I just hear, good. <laughs> no, no, that was me. I was ordering a Gouda salad. You got it mixed up, man. You thought exactly. I was saying it. That's exactly. right. Hey, I thank you for everything that you do. I also want to give a big shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. We are Pet Life Radio is the number one pet radio on the planet. We have more listeners than dogs with fleas. We don't want any fleas on our dogs. And I want everyone to, after the show to dash over to Lucky Dog, tune in and go see animal expert Brandon McMillan's site and ArgusServiceDogs.org and until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave! Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.